Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, Stephanie will be talking with her two friends, Emerin and Heidi. All three of them have attended a conference called Evolving Faith, and I'll let them tell you about their experience. And if you're interested, you should definitely check it out. This year, the conference will be entirely online on October 2nd and 3rd, and you can always check out evolvingfaith.com to learn more. Enjoy. All right, I've got two friends with me today, Emerin and Heidi, who went to Evolving Faith in Denver, Colorado last year. It was kind of funny the way the three of us came together, because it's not like we planned this together. So I'll start by asking, how did Evolving Faith show up on your radar? Because we all noticed it separately. Right. So uh, this is Emerin, and I had been going through an evolution, and it all started, interestingly, with the 2016 election. And I think just how disfranchised I had become with the larger church in general. And I just was very confused on how, I guess, maybe the church could take some stances when it came to not only the environment, and but civil rights and social rights. And I remember just being so frustrated with the whole immigration issue, and um, there just wasn't any correspondence or communication coming out of the church I attended, and I was really confused. Why don't you provide a little more of your background, too? Like, why is immigration an issue that's mm-hmm. important to you? So I work in coffee, and I have some really strong relationships with a particular female grower in Honduras, along with just always having an awareness and sensitivity to third world countries and people in third world countries. So through my work and kind of just, um, I also have a background in textiles and working in some African countries with that industry. So I was just really, really surprised at how demonized the immigrants from Guatemala and Honduras in particular were um, being portrayed in the media and also by some of our elected officials. And there just was no defense. There was no defense from the church of, you know, these people. And what I was continuing to hear in the sermons were the same old, like, pro-life type stuff, these, I think, very conservative issues, and that those were these major crises right now. And I was looking around thinking that there's so many more atrocities that are happening in the world right now of people who are, like, alive, you know, and are suffering, like, generational suffering. And so I just was getting more and more frustrated with just not seeing any sort of even comment. And I wasn't able to, I think, rationalize or even logically figure out how this was happening with no voice. So I started to read blogs and read articles and kind of broaden my horizons on how other people, you know, outside of my smaller community are talking about this. And that led me to some of the participants in Evolving Faith. And so as I was reading this, they, uh, that 
you know, conference kept coming up. So I investigated that a little bit further and realized that I needed to go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was about the same time, um, Stephanie, that I think Dave had Facebook messaged me that Lav was applying for a job. And I I didn't have a context for who Lavender was. So I inquired and realized that you know, you were kind of going through some of this and started to read your Facebook page, um, you know, on a very similar level of things being, you know, dismantled, like some of these concepts and ideas, and that there's still a component of faith in Christianity, but it just looked very different than what I had ever been brought up in. And so I was just determined that I needed to go, and I reached out to you, and I don't recall if you remember <laughs> that text exchange, but it felt like we were both interested in wanting to go, and it was great that we were going to have at least someone else there that we knew. Right. I remember getting an email from you saying, an email. I'm okay. going to this conference, yeah, and I just needed someone to like push me with a feather. <laughs> to get over the line <laughs> to commit to go. And that was it for me. I'm like, oh, I know someone, I'm going. Okay. Easy, easy decision. For those that are listening, Emery and I attended the same church in Amherst for, I don't know, like eight years maybe together. Mm-hmm. So we go back quite a ways. Heidi, how about you? Tell us a little bit about what you do. And Heidi and I just introduced ourselves to one another because we found out we were both going through Facebook, I think. Yeah. Um, we, we don't go back a ways. We, right. we, all, we all met based on the conference, actually. Um, yeah. So how did that show up on your radar? I think the nodding that can happen but amongst the three of us while we're each talking is is pretty intense as Emmerin was talking with the immigration policies that were happening. And not only that, but I think the portend of what was to come, if that was being so easily accepted, was so disconcerting to me. My husband's an immigrant. I work with an organization in India. I've traveled to India a few times. And regardless of that, I think the disillusionment I was having with people who who are in the church and um, able to kind of justify hate so easily. And um, I was always a bit taken aback that there had to be a side in the church that that was actually questioned or a position or maybe there was too much emphasis put on it in some circles. And I, I had a hard time with that, reconciling that within what I knew or what I thought I knew Jesus to be. And um, I had said to someone, you know, I'm socially New Testament. I'm not, you know, trying to be political, but I don't, I don't see how there's a disconnect, which is bizarre because I grew up, I grew up um, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, very evangelical, conservative, and so I never fit. So I was kind of comfortable with never fitting until it got to be desperate, I think, in 2016. And I was always 
learning and trying to read. And like Emmerin said, you know, coming across authors. I started out years ago with Philip Yancey and Brian McLaren, and I went to Brennan Manning and Dorothy Day and Shane Claiborne. And just, I think it was last year or the year before, I just tripped across Rachel Held Evans. Uh, How could you not? If you're reading those types of authors. And then when she was on Twitter, I felt that this is someone who I resonate with every response she's giving. And I wasn't necessarily looking for validation, but it really felt like I wasn't as alone. And so that's how I I learned about the conference. And I knew I had to go. I'm not exactly an extrovert, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I really wanted to go and I love to travel so seeing Denver was another plus but yeah I had made the decision to go I think before I knew anybody else was going because I felt like I was in a place of personal desperation at that point Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah yeah well and I think I think part of it is I mean, I grew up, we talked about this for sure, but I grew up in a very charismatic, evangelical church in the Midwest. And my mom, uh, who I love and is amazing, but she had a radical conversion to faith. I mean, she still, almost every single time I see her, and she lives like half a mile from me, will talk about it every single time. Like, it is just so real for her all the time. And, you know, I lived in that shadow and I wanted to be a good girl and was always driven by, I think, this really hard to attain reality of what Christianity looked like and never really being able to step out from underneath that in any meaningful way because it had just been so, I think, ingrained Um, and having this major crisis of faith. I mean, you know, I'm pushing 50 and realizing like in the past four years that the world is not at all what I thought it was. And I think, you know, from an American Christian standpoint. So trying to to kind of reconcile that and figure out like I have to figure this out. So I would definitely agree that point of like desperation is very real. I had to go. I had to be around people who had figured out how to live within a more messy faith. Yeah, I had come up against a lot of my friends who I love dearly, and I know they love me, but when I would talk about faith and doubt, and having doubt be just as important to me because I'm wrestling with things, and and I think God is fine with that, And I was not getting good responses. I was getting anything from, you'll get over it, (laughs) to um, the the devil can, yeah, stop it. It's making me nervous. Um, The devil tries to get his way in. And I was trying to explain that, no, I just need to be aware that there is some place that validates the fact that doubt and faith go almost hand in hand and and that's an okay place to be in 
and I was okay with it, but I couldn't find anybody else who was okay with it. And people really wanted to stop listening to me or they wanted to fix it. And it's it's funny you say that because I was, as I was going over the questions, um, Stephanie, that you sent us, that was one of the things that I had written down was being in a place where it's okay, like really okay to question. And when it comes to faith, I don't think I've ever been in a place. I've never allowed myself to do that really until recently. And I've never actually been in a community that allowed that questioning and that being a good process. Um, Yeah. So that was something that, you know, one of the big takeaways. So I know that I was like that first day when Dan Evans steps up to address the crowd at Evolving Faith and then tells everyone that he's agnostic. Like even before in the Facebook group, before we got there and the messaging that's coming from Evolving Faith, that there will be atheists and agnostics present at this Christian, air quotes, Christian conference was really surprising to me. I mean, I had never been in a community before where everybody was interested in being together like that. Did that surprise you too? I was surprised that when we were all together as a group, not so much the breakout sessions, that it felt like church. It felt like traditional church to me in a lot of ways that I did not expect. Yeah, I expected less... Christianese. I was surprised by a couple of speakers who used a lot of churchy buzzwords and churchy language. And um, some of the songs threw me, but also some of the songs I think hit me emotionally the most because it was drawing me back to like my childhood memories, a lot of the old hymns. And so it was a lot of emotion for me in those big communal services, like the communion was very powerful for me. And the and the music was, but I didn't I didn't expect it. Yeah. What about you, Emran? So, there were moments for sure that made me very uncomfortable, and some of it is just because I am continuing through this process. So, I think that was one of kind of the big takeaways was um, being open to being uncomfortable. And I would agree that the music was very strange, traditional hymns, like a praise and worship band that was, you know, very like that was on one side of the spectrum on the far of this conference, the far right side of the spectrum, shall we say. Um, And then there were other (laughs) things that were like on the left side of the spectrum. Um, And I was uncomfortable with both of those, Mm. but I allowed myself to kind of sit in that and be okay and not have to try to justify or defend, just let it be okay. So there were definitely some of, um, I can't remember her name, that we all got, you know, as white people got slapped in the face. And there was so much, you know, on like the- 
Dr. Shaniqua Walker Brown. Yes. Walk, Walker, Walker Burns. Yep. Walker right. Burns. And, yes. um, like, I had never heard that before. And I mm. was not offended. I just was, it was so eye-opening. Mm. And I know a lot of people were really offended, but it sparked a yeah. lot of conversation. <laughs> you know, and there were things that I just, like being agnostic and being able to leave parts of Scripture and pick up parts of Scripture at different points in your life. And, you know, through all of my upbringing, it's like, you know, every dot of the I and cross of the T is, you know, God's <laughs> inspired word and you shall, you know, never. Like there were just so many kind of clashes, like internal clashes and being okay with that. Yeah. I'm still learning to be okay with it, certain parts. But um, yeah. so that, yeah, both ends, both ends were unexpected. That was also the first setting, conference or otherwise, that I had been to where uh, all the speakers, when they got up to speak, talked about their preferred pronouns. That was the first instance I'd been at where it was kind of universally accepted and a practice. How about the land acknowledgement? That was the first yes. time I had heard a land acknowledgement. Yes, and now I'm so in tune to it when I hear it in other places. Um, the Courier mm -hmm. Museum, I've been to a couple events at the Courier on immigration, and they start each giving thanks to the Native tribes who are on this land. Yeah, it was very intentional, and I appreciated that. Still learning from it. I mean, look what we stepped into in 2020, and some of the racial, like you were talking about, some of the racial discussions were just... For me, personally, um, it was pretty soon after the conference, I think, that I read um, Austin Channing Brown's I'm Still Here, and that was just so powerful. Yeah, I do like the way the lineup of speakers is very intentional about putting speakers on the stage that are speaking from the marginalized point of view. Yeah, I definitely feel like I had gotten a nine-month intro <laughs> to <laughs> the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter. Like, this whole thing that really is finally, unfortunately, finally, in yeah. our new generation getting a voice. And colonialism, like, all yeah. of that, you know, I just, I had never heard it in that way because it is all whitewashed <laughs> in a yeah. big way and so that was the first time that I had to start really grappling with some of this and hearing these terms and I was able to process that so when all of this has been going down I really get it I get it so was there a particular speaker or session that you would designate as your favorite so i have two and the first and, and i think there were just these phrases kind of these um pictures that were painted that i still can see so barbara brown taylor was talking about so her topic was wilderness so evolving faith in the wilderness and mm -hmm. um she was saying that the wilderness is risky and dangerous that, you know, in this context, it's like the death of identity, death of self, death of faith. And 
you know, if there are no dangers, then the wilderness is just a park, <laughs> which really made me like, yeah, I get that. Like, <laughs> it has to be dangerous to be considered the wilderness. And, you know, one of the phrases she said was rewilding of souls. And that just really struck me of kind of getting away from this like very curated, um, groomed kind of a garden and park where everything is in its place and there are lots of walls and boundaries and fences and, you know, getting back into this rewilding, this something that's more rooty and dirty and, and natural and untamed. And so, you know, those were like, it helped me to kind of visualize what I was feeling emotionally. And, you know, she was also talking about how Jesus was in the wilderness and that he was hollowed out in the wilderness because he had no protection, he had no power, and that he was translucent. So he went went in heavy and burdened, but he came out light and unburdening ourselves with these Christian concepts that had been stuck on and placed on for years of being in these communities. And not that they're bad, but they just are burdensome. And so, you know, there was these really beautiful concepts that she was painting that just really resonated with what I want and that it's okay to be there and that's a challenge. And I think we all understand what that challenge is to walk away from something that has been so core to our identity for such a long time. The other speaker that really spoke to me was Cece Jones Davis, and she was preaching it. And we, Stephanie, you and I have this experience of being in a church with a female pastor, which was amazing. But there is something about a woman preaching, not just giving a lecture, but preaching it. And she was preaching about Miriam taking the timbrel um, when they were crossing the Red Sea and that she had a refrain and a song that's repeated over and over again. And she was like, evolving faith are people on the move. We're on the move and that Christianity needs to be on the move. And everybody views God through a different lens. And so that was something that was I think powerful was this component of you can't stay put. <laughs> you have to move. You have to, there's emotion. It's not just getting up on Sunday, going to church, raising your hands, singing the song, taking communion, going home. Like it just isn't this kind of routine. You have to evolve and you have to slough off some of those old natures in order to grow. Um, and there's this component of emerging that I really, again, was kind of resonated with what I felt. I felt like, you know, we had been stuck in this unevolving faith for a generation. And it was time to be on a move and a time to pay attention to the things that were around us and to take action. I had... um for the Barbara Brown Taylor, I had her down as one of my favorite speakers. 
And when you were talking, I just kind of highlighted that she said the old certainties bit the dust in the wilderness. And yeah. the steep path to God ends in a cloud of unknowing. Mm-hmm. And it was like the hallelujah chorus broke through for me. And I was like, <laughs> I have found my people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and basically when you... I am not alone. <laughs> yeah, when you ask the question, which was your favorite speaker, I, without looking at my notes, I just remembered being almost like jaw dropped every time someone would just start out saying, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. And I'm comfortable saying, I don't know. But I'm still coming back to this for a reason. And that was so powerful for me to to look at an auditorium filled with, I don't know how many, 3,000 people or whatever, and think, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody wants to fix my my not knowing today when tonight I might feel like I know a little more or I'm comfortable. It was just an incredible experience for me. All of the speakers, was it Cece that you mentioned too? Mm-hmm. She said, my view of God is not God. And I just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. I, <laughs> I haven't heard that before, <laughs> you know? That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not what I've experienced people saying to me. And um, she talked about holding anger and gratitude at the same time. And that has been a process for me. And it might not be lately. It feels like it's one or the other. But I'm at least trying to get them in on the same day. Maybe not at the same time. But that anger and gratitude can, can coexist. And I don't have to figure out. I don't have to figure it all out. And I have yeah. I have written down so many times, I don't have the answers. You know, mm. I think a lot of the speakers were able to speak truth, speak that from their experience, but also, yeah. you know, we're all learning. I liked the way Danielle Schroyer in during the Q&A session of her session at the end, she said, she basically gave everyone permission to put down their Bible. If it's not a season where reading your Bible is making you a more loving person, if you need to take a break, it's okay to put it down. Was she the one that said you could, you could rip out pages (laughs) that you didn't like? I I love that. I'm trying to find it. I was like, what, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. Bible's not the fourth person of the Trinity, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, I liked her. I liked, um, of course, I liked the LGBTQ aspect of it. I liked seeing B.T. Harmon on that stage, given like the role that he had played in my mm-hmm. understanding yes. of that community. I liked listening to... Jen Hatmaker call out the core of the evangelical church, the core of power there with the white patriarchy. (laughs) And just that it's interesting to watch her journey, and she's just continuing to evolve. Like, she's had four years of evolving herself. I didn't know what to expect from her because I didn't know anything currently about her, but 
it was ringing a bell. Her name was ringing a bell with me, and I thought, oh, this is going to be like a women's conference. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I I could feel myself bristling because I'm like, this is mainstream. There's something, you know, her name was just... Yeah, it was mainstream. I yeah, was not yeah. sure where she was coming from. And um, right. I was pleasantly surprised to find her voice in all of that. And one of the greatest takeaways that I've had from the conference itself is following people like Jen Hatmaker, yeah. other people that that has led to because of Jen Hatmaker's voice, the whole sharing the mic that happened when Black Lives Matter first started. Just all the new resources. Yeah. I like that the people on the stage don't have it figured out, and they're continuing to evolve, too. Jen Hatmaker has a pod. She recently interviewed Alicia Crosby on her podcast, and it was amazing. Oh, and then how about when Matthew Paul Turner read his book, When God Made You? Yes, I have gifted that book a lot since then. (laughs) Listening to those words just spoken over me, and it just kind of brings you back to like a childlike understanding of God. That was special. And, And he's someone else. I don't know if you follow him on social media, but he's someone else that just is continuing to evolve himself. All right. So... If there's someone out there listening who is considering attending the virtual conference for 2020, which is October 2nd and 3rd, what advice would you give to first-time attenders? That's a hard question because we all came at it out of, like, I have to go. Like, it was definitely out of a sense of, you know, I think Heidi said it like desperation. Like I, there's so much friction, like internally, and I need to start figuring this out. So I would definitely recommend if, you know, and people are listening that they are feeling that, but a faith is still so integral to who they are that they should attend. And for maybe people who like us, Um, who attended it, not trying to do a comparison because it is, we're in different spots today than we were. And we've, I think, been, we've worked on ourselves. Like we've been going through kind of a process. And so what we get out of it may be different and that's okay also. I bought my tickets for this year, which was supposed to be in Houston, I think before I left Denver. That's how I like I was <laughs> I remember that the train. Yeah. You knew. Yeah. yeah. You had to be there again. You yeah. found your people. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to really say to someone what I'm going to say and have them do it. But I had preconceived notions and I was letting myself get a little distracted with certain speakers who used a lot of church language because I just didn't want to hear buzzwords that were just not where I was at. And I kind of had to reorient myself to just listen and pay attention to what was the meaning behind that and not get stuck on things like the music and the buzzwords and and stuff like that. So it ended up being such a safe space for me mentally. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't know if I'm describing that well enough, but I just didn't want to kind of get in my own way. And I tried to be conscious of that. Like if you're expecting something and it doesn't necessarily start out the way you think it should, just get over yourself. <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> Deal with your own shit. Yeah. I'm glad that we got to experience it together and that we had... You know, we all had, like, alone time where we're like, I just have to process. But we also got to process some things together. And I guess I would recommend if you need a buddy to help you process, I'd encourage you to find someone else who's going. Or, you know, encourage a friend who's in a similar spot to watch, too. I do like that they have um, a private Facebook group where a lot of the um, conversation can happen apart from just listening to a speaker. I find that helpful too. That's a good point. I agree that I really liked having you two there to be able to tease some of these concepts out. When I came back and was talking with Adam about this, it just, there was so much that I was trying to, explain and paint the picture of and Mm. it was really hard it was hard a lot harder to set the stage (laughs) um (laughs) than it was to be able to turn to someone who was in the room and had just experienced it also um so that's a really good point actually you know it's interesting because one of the questions you kind of mentioned that you were going to be asking is more pointedly of are you going to attend (laughs) Right. And I was very gone whole, like last year, not exactly sure what was going to be happening in my life a year from then, mm-hmm. which would be this upcoming October. But to me, it was worth it was worth that self-care to go. But then once, you know, March hit and kind of all hell broke loose with the world, I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> until you mentioned like wanting to do a you know wanting to have a conversation about it and now I'm like oh man I need to like sign up or figure out how this it's gonna take me like three weeks just to figure out how to like how to like log in I don't know (laughs) it's so bad (laughs) I'm a really capable person um just not when it comes to like you know anything digital um yeah but now we can watch with people in our house and have that shared experience too yeah right you know like um stephanie when we were at sohegan we went to the women of faith conferences and (laughs) (laughs) those fringy conferences (laughs) harford connecticut (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean at the time it was like 20 years ago you know i mean things were different right crazy yeah And I was thinking about this, like Sheila Walsh was there. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi making a strange Oh, she's like holding her head. (laughs) She can't stand it. You know, but there was something, I mean, I liked it because it was a community and I didn't have a community here. Like I didn't know anybody yeah. in New England. I was all alone. I had a baby. I was running a small business by myself. I had, I thrived. Like I needed 
a community of yeah. women who could support me. And that was part of it, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. and I think that this had a much more modern feel to it, a much more like wilderness kind of feel to it. And not just women either. Right. It was great. It was really great to have people from all walks of life yeah. mm-hmm. attending yeah. and being presented on the stage. But I think there was a camaraderie that everybody that was there, not everybody, but it felt like we were all kind of in the same boat. Like, you know what Heidi said, there yeah. are other people that are processing this as well. And I think there's something that is kind of powerful about that. And I mean, I have friends that have been very disenfranchised and very wounded by the church. And I think that this space is healing. Yes. So I think it's very valuable from that aspect. And they talked about that, you know. Yeah. So it definitely was a healing space for me, given where I was at a year ago. I think it's going to be something different this year. Like, I feel like I've put most of that healing and self care to bed. I feel like my identity is a little more secure today than it was back then. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it's going to go this year. And especially having having it be virtual, I think is definitely going to give it a different feel. But I'm sure the speakers are going to give us more to just think about for a whole other year, especially in these times. You know, I'm going to throw this out there because it just came to me and I meant to comment on it that one of the things that was like really really moving for me was the lamentation with the stones. And I don't know how you felt about that process. Remind us how that went. So if you wanted to participate, you could pick up a little stone. And Mm -hmm. then there was a lamentation and a ringing of a chime, a bell. And so being able to let go of wounds and hurts and sorrows if you're in a place to let them go and to drop your rock your stone your pebble but if you're not ready to let it go to hang on to it and i I brought mine home i I brought mine home you (laughs) so i picked up three (laughs) 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 and i dropped one and i have one in my purse and I think I gave one to Savannah, my daughter. But I like broke down. I was sobbing. And it was a quiet, it was very emotional for me to let go of that internal angst and and just be, just be. I didn't have any deep wounds. You know, I hadn't been wounded by somebody or something. I, I you know, I, I didn't come into it needing, you know, to let go of something that was very hard to let go, apart from just letting go. <laughs> and of certainty of yeah, yeah, letting go of to go to the wilderness. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know like tears running down my face and the (laughs) type of thing. And it was like a break. It was like the break in the dam. And there was, I had never 
been anything quite like that either. And that was a moment, I think, one of the more like physical aspects of, you know, having this tangible thing. So I like imagery and things that I can touch and see. And that was something that was just really, really powerful, that moment. And to be able to hear like the cacophony of all the pebbles, you know, kind of across the auditorium was also something that, you know, it sounded like rain. (laughs) And there was something that was, to me, a very powerful um, experience that was really no words. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you got to have that because the... I feel like the communion and being able to sing it as well with my soul yeah. at the end, that was, that's a moment that I just haven't forgotten, mm-hmm. like singing that song and being able to raise my hands and worship for like the first time in three or four months and that. It was a safe place to do that, and there was no judgment, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a special time for me, too. Well, I'm going to say the official thing. Thank you both so much for coming and having this conversation with me. It means a lot. I think voices like ours are um, important in this deconstruction space, especially on a podcast that's primarily a bunch of young men. <laughs> they need they need uh they need a different perspective every now and then. Yeah, this was good. Yeah, well thank you certainly for inviting us to participate and also be able to get together. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna do it in person when I get out of COVID jail. We're so social. <laughs> thanks to everyone for listening, and I hope you get a chance to check out the Evolving Faith Conference. As always, if you'd like to give feedback or just want to start a conversation, there are a bunch of easy ways to reach out to us. You can always email us at hosts at LonelyMountainMystics.com or check out the website LonelyMountainMystics.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to our website and click on the link, Become a Patron. This will take you to our Patreon page where you can donate to the work we do. Finally, if you do enjoy the podcast, leaving a five-star review also goes a long way. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.